What's up everyone and welcome to episode 100 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where I, Tim Burbeck, talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Uh, this episode has been made possible thanks to the wonderful people at alreadyheard.com. Uh, Already Heard is a UK-based alternative music website covering the latest news, reviews, features, videos, exclusives and a hell of a lot more. Uh, the site is run by de- a group of dedicated and honest group of music fans based all over the United Kingdom, uh, myself included in that group, uh, who have a passion for promoting the very best in rock, punk, hardcore, pop punk, emo, indie, metal, and any genre that you can think of in between all of those. Uh, so yeah, a massive thanks again to Sean from Already Heard for helping hook up this interview and making this the 100th episode episode 100 of the justin insight podcast i can't believe i'm finally saying that um it feels like it's been a long time coming and i've hyped it up a lot but in all honesty all i can say is a huge thank you to everyone who has listened downloaded rated subscribed reviewed this show from day one really does mean the world to me that people give a shit about this little show that i wanted to start on a whim uh, two years, yeah, two years ago, um, and yeah, here we are, at episode one hundred, and yeah, just massive thank you for for everyone. And if this is your first time, welcome. Um, go back and <laughs> visit some of the other episodes; you might enjoy them. Um, but yeah, if it is your first time, then please hit the subscribe button, and we we have plenty more guests lined up in the future um but yeah hope everyone's well i've had a pretty full-on return to to work after tour last week uh obviously i did get out last week's episode but i was dead to the world when i was doing my intro monologue um i feel a bit more human now so yeah good to kind of be back back to reality in some aspects i do kind of wish i was still on tour but Hey ho, we're back at it. We're back at it. We're at one one hundred. Yeah, we're at one hundred episodes. So that's a a bonus. Um, one cool thing I did see this week when I saw my friends in Ithaca and watched Cries in Brighton in a tiny little basement room in a pub, which was lovely. Um, and I'll be seeing them all again very soon as they are playing with more good friends of mine in Svalbard, uh, in London in a couple of weeks. So if you're going to that show give us a high five, say hi, it would be nice to to meet you all. Um, Before we get into the guests of this milestone episode, a couple of bits of news that I just want to put to you folks. Um, The first bit, if you haven't heard of it, you must be hiding under a rock somewhere, Uh, but Have Heart are getting back together to do a number of shows. Uh, The first lot sold out immediately, uh, which I was so bummed out about like if anyone knows me have heart I'm up there with Convertual I mentioned in a minute as my favourite band um, so yeah super bummed out but they have announced they're doing a few more dates uh, tickets for those go on sale tomorrow at 5pm UK time so if you're unfortunate enough like myself to miss out first time round get a second bite of the cherry so yeah but have heart back which is thumbs up um, the other bit of show news, as I mentioned, Converge, uh, they're coming back to the UK and Europe uh, sort of tail end of June, beginning of July, and they'll be bringing with them Terra, Sect and Candy, which 
I mean, that's a fucking killer lineup in its own. But so yeah, so really looking forward to that. They're playing uh, the Electric Ballroom, which is the show I'm going to be going to on July 1st. Uh, and then they're playing somewhere in Manchester the day after. And then various places in the mainland as well. Um, and finally, before we get on to the guests, a little bit of sad news. Uh, vocalist and frontman of The Prodigy, uh, Keith Flint, sadly died uh, at the age of 49. The reports are at the moment that he uh, took his own life. Uh, now, I'm not the biggest Prodigy fan, but I totally understand and value their place within the music world. They were pioneers of, of what they did, introducing sort of like punk and electronic music together. And they truly were genre crossers, which was sort of... They hit the mainstream, they hit the alternative world, and Keith was a massive part of that, so he was a real big loss to, to the music world and our thoughts uh, with his friends and family at this time. Right, no more doom and gloom. Guest for episode 100... Uh, is vocalist of Drug Church and self-defence family, Patrick Kendlin. Um, I caught up with Patrick when Drug Church were over here in the UK last month, um, and he is someone that I'm so glad I was able to get on this show. He is a fascinating human. He can talk for, for days, which is, as a podcast host is just pure gold. He knows, obviously, podcasts himself, running numerous. Um, but we discuss... We didn't really discuss much of the podcast. We've discussed a little bit, but we discussed him uh, seeing Warzone and Sick of It All in his sort of teenage years, how that kind of put him onto the path of hardcore, um, how he's still, even though he considers himself a bit of an elder statesman, he's still excited to discover new music. We obviously talk about uh, the sort of buzz behind Drug Church at the moment, especially after uh, Larshall's record of Cheer, as well as Self Defense Family having a record out last year. So. Yeah, lot, lots of good good ground covered here. Um, brief little caveat, the chat that I have with Patrick, uh, there's another podcast sort of interviewing him as well. So there are one or two questions chucked in there from uh, Bill from 16 Conversations. Um, but the majority of it is me. I unfortunately sort of dominate the conversation. But it's my podcast, it's my show. I wanted to, to do it my way and that's the way we stuck to it. But um, the other thing as well... Uh, about halfway through the conversation uh, horseflies start sound checking downstairs this is recorded at the joiners so they were in the main hall so you can hear that a little bit in the background but it doesn't distract from the conversation so yeah apart from that this is an absolute killer chat with Patrick I knew it would be as soon as it was set up and that's why I was so glad to make this episode 100 um, but yeah I hope you enjoy it sit back relax and I'll see you on the other side. Uh, sat once again in the joiners, what seems to be my second home these days, um, with Drug Church, self-defence vocalist, and one of the hosts of the Hardcore Podcast, Axe to Grime, Patrick Kinlan. Patrick, thank you very much for joining me. Um on tour at the moment with Drug Church, how how's the show's been so far? Pretty much everyone's been sold out so far, haven't they? Uh, quite a few sold out. Uh, very surprising. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to low rate us, but that's not what we anticipated. Yeah. Uh, you know, the rooms aren't... We're not playing Wembley Stadium, so, <laughs> but, but, but it's, uh, it's still a nice vote of confidence when you sell out 
decent sized room and yeah, people yeah. are enthusiastic. So, uh, truly, so far so good. We'll see. Europe, the numbers are not as strong. So, 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 so we, we, we will see. Maybe Europe doesn't hasn't uh, caught on or is never going to like us. We'll find out. <laughs> um, but so far, the UK is very supportive. I thought. Any, nice. Any particular highlights? You know, last night we finally played a venue that. Uh, <clears throat> fuck, where were we? Bristol. Yeah. Um, where stage was high for a small room. Was it the exchange? That's right. Yeah, yeah. That stage is weird. High for a small room, but uh, that's a that's a very uncomfortable scenario if people aren't having a good time. Mm. You know, like like if it's if the room isn't full or yeah, if, you're kind of up on a pedestal. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And if my voice is shot, we've all been quite sick. So uh, if the crowd was not having a good time, they all would have just been watching me fail, <laughs> <laughs> and that might have been uncomfortable or it might have taught me something about myself I don't know but the uh, it, it, they did enjoy themselves they did go off so it was a lot of I won't say good stage dives they were quite bad but, it, <laughs> but there was a lot of stage dives yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, to me that is uh, becoming how I gauge a good show because I have a theory and you guys you test me if I'm wrong here but if uh if a, if a guy in a hate breed shirt with a with a forked beard punches you in your face, that's not a good thing. Nah, you might you, you might not carry a great memory of it. <laughs> uh, but if a you know if a hundred and twenty pound uh, kid accidentally kicks you in your head while stage diving, you have a it's it you have a more positive yeah 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 overall experience and memory of that experience so uh, I, I I don't actively discourage dancing I just try to hella encourage uh, stage diving just because <laughs> it seems like a good compromise on hey we're still doing something hella stupid you know but at least at least nobody's gonna get it like a broken jaw yeah you yeah. know so uh and, and and that has been there's been some stage diving on this tour again not the best form but a lot of people are having a good time fuck it you know I think I saw a video of uh, Blondies in London that looks pretty, pretty oh well. that was <laughs> is that out yet I was so far oh god um, <laughs> so uh, that was a nice we watched the videos that's uh, that's the K-Pit which is uh uh, a thing Kerrang does. Yeah. And uh, when I get emails or, or when the band get, I, I'll be honest, I don't respond to emails. When, when the band gets emails and somebody reads them and across the room goes, you want to play the K-Pit on a day off? I just, I don't even think about it. I just go, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what the fuck the K-Pit was and I didn't realize until I got there. But, uh, we watched that's not true I didn't know what it was the night before because we watched videos of other bands doing it and didn't love all of them <laughs> uh, a lot of big a lot of big bands actually yeah, yeah. do it and uh, not all of them seem entirely comfortable in a bathroom sized uh, yeah because it's like 50 50 yeah, yeah. That's, and that's I would call that a uh 
charitable <laughs> charitable <laughs> estimation of how many people are supposed to be there. Um, but really nice uh, people responsible were really really nice and we uh, uh, it, it was quite fun uh, I, I feel like we might have had a slight advantage over the big bands and that we have probably played a space that small yeah, within, yeah. within the last couple of years so, so so it didn't feel that weird uh, but my voice was uh, that was the height of my sickness so right. I, I think I probably I'm not looking forward to listening to the audio <laughs> from that, but uh, it was uh, it was a good time. Cool. One thing that I kind of like to start off, but we've kind of been going for a little while anyway. The show that I do is called Just an Insight, so mm. I like to take my guests back to kind of their roots. So, what was your kind of first exposure of alternative music? Uh, I wonder how badly I'd date myself if I, <laughs> if I tried to think of what was on MTV at that time. I think I'm probably dating myself by remembering that MTV is a no, thing. No, 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 not at all. Um, I don't know. Did I see? Did I see Longview on on much music or MTV? I, I probably did, almost certainly, right? Because I, I I thought about it the other day. I saw the video the other day, that Green Day video, and I remember so distinctly the pimple that he had because it was it, <laughs> because it it makes quite an impression, you know. Yeah. Um, so probably that sort of thing. But then the first show I went to, the first type of guitar music show there might have been a local show but i always flip these and i don't know which is i don't know which is real <laughs> but <laughs> but i did see uh the band warzone right right right, right before uh rabies passed away and uh i was fairly fairly young and it made a it made a distinct impression mm. uh and then it was kind of off to the races from there um, going to a number of local shows, almost all hardcore stuff. Uh, I know that some people claim to have like a very wide teen sort of experience where they went to all types of shows. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't really, ha I was listening to all types of music because I started listening to music by going to the library. So does that date me? I don't know. Is the libraries dated? You still got libraries, right? Yeah. <laughs> not, not many people go anymore. But. Well, uh, when I was a kid, uh, my family wasn't into music, and I went to Catholic school, and there, w there wasn't too many people into music there. And uh, so when I was a kid, I would walk down to the to the library, which wasn't far f from where I grew up, and I would just get CDs, uh, take them out based on the on the cover, on the album art. Yeah. Um, which still, you know, some of those things really inform my taste to this day. You know, I still really love Rush, and that's definitely because the album art looked cool to a, <laughs> yeah. to a twelve year old. You know, like oh, this is, this is cool. Um, uh, but I didn't. You know, it wasn't like anybody was taking me to Rush as a kid. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the uh, uh, my my like my father likes Sinatra a little bit, okay. and my mother doesn't really listen to music so I you know there, there wasn't much access in that way but um, the, uh, the, the as a teen started going to hardcore shows uh, and uh, I mean maybe we can say that that depending on your perspective either ruined my life or uh, <laughs> or, or, or uh, enriched it whichever, whichever flip a coin yeah yeah um, but yeah that's uh 
Uh, so probably, I always say that the ones that made the strongest impressions on me were Warzone because it was really the first time that I'd seen somebody on a stage, sweaty, really, you know, really just full interaction with the crowd. Just yeah, yeah. Really a uh, kind of a eureka moment. And then uh, I always point out sick of it all. Uh, maybe a year later as making a massive impression yeah. because uh, it was the first time that I'd I'd been to I'd been going to shows but everybody was so serious and so uh, melancholy or moro- like, uh, kind of uh, stern yeah and, and uh, that's not really that's not really Lou from Sick of It All it's not really the band's no, no. vibe it's it, it, that band is you know they're they're now in their 50s and they're st- really still having a very good time um, literally when i saw them two weeks ago and i think before they'd even started a song pete had done six laps of the stage so. yeah so <laughs> yeah. that that band you know even when they're singing about things that are serious to them or or, or heavy topics they're in between songs they're having a great time they're joking they're fun they're, they're having a good time because particularly i mean if you're going to do something as your career if you're not having a laugh with your coworkers, you probably, you know, every night you're like staring at the ceiling fan being like, could this support my weight if I wanted to hang myself? <laughs> you, you know, like, so uh, that band made a huge impression on me by just keeping it light, you know, yeah. ha- having a good time. And I realized that you could joke with the crowd and that made a huge impression on me. They smiled. Um, and then... In my very early 20s, uh, maybe 19, uh, I saw Lungfish, and that made quite an impression on me as well. Uh, I don't care for fake weird. Uh, Right, okay. It's very off-putting to me. Uh, You know, real, real weird tends to hang out at the bus stop and talk to you about aliens and shit that's like <laughs> yeah. that's like real weird right but like fake weird is like you're trying to be kooky sort of every thing. 19 year old uh, you know every everybody who hasn't fashioned an identity of their own yet is like is, but still would like to feel like an individual and that's totally fine for for very young people it's less flattering on on people who are a bit older but uh, i don't care for it uh but lungfish, so lungfish was like this perfect thing to me because mm. it was weird in exactly the measure that I understood to be legitimate, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and it it did not attempt to uh, to oversell what it was. Uh, it it was a it I you know they would do Buddy Holly covers. They they were a rock band. Yeah, but, yeah. But they uh, uh, they just happen to have a couple odd people in the band, mm. and uh, that made quite an impression on me too. So th- those I would say are my are my three, like real deep, deep imprinting mm. bands. And if somebody was to kind of like take you on sort of face value from literally just your band, so self defense and drug church, mm-hmm. then not necessarily kind of the heavier end of scale of sort of alternative music, but you are very much embedded in the hardcore world so if people maybe not necessarily know that about you when you have the conversations like you say sort of mentioning Warzone and Sick of It you know your history about hardcore mm. does that, that come as a shock because people maybe think 
that you'd only be into the kind of music that you play? Uh, so I think sometimes. Uh, for me, it's like I'm quite... I'm not just a grown man. I'm quite a grown man now. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like I have gray hair. So, like, the the idea that I could still get touchy about some... Like, I remember being 23 and... No, maybe I was a little bit older. But I was playing in... It's whenever I was in... Uh, whenever self-defense was end of a year and we had just started and locally we were much softer than everything else. But I still felt quite clearly playing hardcore music you know mm. uh, it was just revolution summer ripoff music i still perceive that to be hardcore so one of the locals had commented that we weren't a hardcore band blah blah and i remember feeling very offended you know what i mean but you know as a as a as a guy with gray hair i don't know if i can <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, I wouldn't really be flattering if i it, 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 you know i i uh so i can't i don't think i'm coming from a place of uh, defensiveness when I when I just say that um, it okay let me put it like this I don't think hardcore is so cool that I <laughs> that I need to hitch myself to it for cool points right I think it just at this juncture in my life is unavoidably the the thing that I have been most entrenched in for longest. Yeah. And uh, so I ha I often still see my bands as hardcore acts, even though sonically, clearly, <laughs> clearly they, <laughs> they are not. Um, but it's also some of those are, some of that is uh, uh, relationships and uh, um, uh, points of reference. So for example, uh, self-defense family spent most of our recording career on death wish yeah that's largely a hardcore label uh, you know that does not make us a hardcore band <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, the reason that the reason that I always felt quite comfortable there uh, is those are the well, that's run by Jake and Trey and mm. and uh, managed by by rich Rossi and and all of those people, are people that I, I, you know, I know them as individuals, but I also know that type of person. I was yeah, yeah. I was comfortable working with people. Like, I was comfortable working with hardcore kids. It was what I was familiar with. Um, so, uh, I, I, I tend to still, accidentally see my bands as hardcore acts. So when people, <laughs> when, so when people tell me or when people are surprised, I remember actually in the UK. There, uh, I met a kid who was truly shocked that I knew any hardcore music, and I would want to say like, I look like a shitty old. I mean, I I have a faded tattoo on my neck. It's, it's not like I got it to jump in on the metalcore boom or or SoundCloud fucking vibe. I, you know what I mean? I'm 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 at this like if I had if I had the tattoos that I have. And I wasn't a hardcore kid. You, uh, what, what, what would you assume I am? Like, yeah, a, like yeah. a drug hustler, uh, <laughs> like, like, like a, like kind of maybe, maybe a failed crust guy. I don't know. <laughs> so, so I, I am kind of surprised when people are surprised. Uh, but, you know, look, there's a running joke on Axe to Grind. 
that I have a beef with fucked up. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because the singer pretended not to know who I was. The joke is, that, that's like a joke beef, right? But like, it, that idea, well, that's very kind of you, thank you. Um, uh, but that idea that I should, uh, like it plays into this feeling that I do occasionally have, which is, how the fuck do you not know me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Not that I'm cool, not that like you should think I'm cool. I'm not asking you to think I'm cool. I've just been around a lot. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, seems like if you were a dude, you know who the fuck I am. Yeah, yeah. But, but, that's the joke, is that that's very unreasonable. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, when I when I meet, when I meet some, some young person, they don't have to be young. When I meet somebody that is surprised that I have the, the background or points of reference that I have, I just, you know, of course I just take it in stride as not, you know, why should anybody know me? Yeah, yeah. Why should anybody know me really? Just because yeah. I put out 200 records and you'd, you'd have to not be any sort of fan of hardcore if you didn't know me. Okay, fine. But, <laughs> but, but, but you know, that's fine. Um, I, uh, yeah, so uh, I, like I said, I'm occasionally surprised, but I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's a little, it's, it's frankly, it's a little self-aggrandizing for me to be surprised. Jesus, if I know. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I've I've meant to reflect on this because obviously obviously paradigms change, cultures shift, subcultures shift. Uh, <clears throat> hardcore in particular is not even less so than punk, uh, certainly less so than metal. Just have no fucking interest in old people. <laughs> and it's changing a little, you know, like Europe, UK shows a little bit more respect to the older acts. But it's a youth culture, sort of. And I, I think about it quite often, you know, uh, about like in some small way by sticking around, by doing things like the podcast, by continuing to play hardcore shows on occasion. Am I... Am I... I'm gonna say something fucking. Now we're going down a, a hole because I, I'm gonna wrestle. I'm gonna wrestle with myself for a second. You can you can listen as I wrestle with myself. Am I contributing to a culture in a positive way, where I am in perhaps I would argue pushing it to a more holistic place where it's not simply about 19 to 25. It's not simply about 17 to. 26 if you're lucky maybe I don't know it's it's uh, it's a, about a craft it's about a, 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 a type of some for some people business behavior for other people uh, sort of a, a, a stage ethic to, to other people you know like these things that are kind of on some level uh, intangible or ineffable at least and uh, am I contributing to Am I contributing to an acceptance of people over thirty? <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, um, that that would be maybe that's self-aggrandizing. But sometimes I think, yeah, I hope so because uh, culture gave me something. I almost said a lot, but it, it gave me something, and uh, maybe I, maybe my contribution to it back is that you know we. It doesn't have to be so narrow. But then the flip side, of course, is 
A, I have, if I'm being frank with myself, I don't know, then I have to get all weird kind of dorm room argument about it and say, why the fuck do I give a fuck about culture? You know what I mean? I, maybe I don't, you know? So like, because I don't give a fuck about the larger culture. I don't give a fuck. I, 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 there's a stopgap in my thinking that, that says culture is just the expression uh, of uh, the dominant paradigm uh, with some residual ritual from before. And why do I give a fuck about that? And okay, that's true too. So now I'm wrestling with myself. But the, uh, the other way to look at it is also just the counterpoint to me spreading old man culture, which is maybe some things are best as they were designed. Maybe some things are, do not need my tinkering, my, you know, maybe uh, hardcore as a youth culture is, is a perfect thing. In some people's view, it really is, you know, in some people's view, it is about getting in and getting out. Uh it's about what it teaches you. You know, some people treat it honestly, maybe like finishing school or something, where where it's uh, here's some lessons that I take into my larger life, and it's not about maintaining a culture that you're actively a part of. You know, so uh, that's an argument too. I I I don't know if this answers your question at all. I I, I personally just, I guess the tragedy or or, or the. Or the, the, I guess you could say the, the broadly speaking, the, the positive here is that I still continue to enjoy it. Like, you know, I went to a fucking show the other day and, you know, basement shows, like being the guy with gray hair at basement shows, I suppose you can still feel, you can feel a way, I suppose, you know, not as much in the UK as like, you know, not the UK and Europe. I've had people that play in Crass come to my shows. I've had people that that played in Warm come to my shows. So like, there is not as much a stigma against uh, age here for sure. But uh, I would say that um, uh, I feel comfortable. I still feel comfortable. Maybe that's some arrested development on my part. You know, maybe. maybe there's a Peter Pan-ish aspect, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, you know, there's, I guess the part of it that kind of takes me out of that is that I still enjoy checking out new music. So like somebody that fell in love with hardcore punk music when they were 17 tends to hang on to those bands most strongly most and I do that too you know like the bands that you're first exposed to that make you love a type of music but I'm really open hearted make me love something new you know so that might be a little bit of difference between myself and sort of like a more broadly speaking like a pure nostalgia or pure like oh I'm comfortable here because it's music I recognize Cause I'm I'm totally content to have it be unrecognizable to me, you know. I I, I haven't taken the plunge into sort of new punk, like when people try to sell SoundCloud rap to you as the new punk. I understand the argument. I'm just not there yet. Yeah. You, you know, I I, I it, to me it actually let me put it like this. 
I wasn't there. To me, it feels quite a bit like punk, like actual punk punk, where it's a product and it's it's just a lot of people jumping on a product and it will be a couple years before you start getting either the, like the Clash, who was the best product, you know, or you get Crass, the response to the, to the product, you, you know, it'll be a couple years, be, be, it, it, you know, and obviously rap's been around fucking 40 years, but I'm saying this new-ish sort of, uh, sort of everybody's in their basement making this yeah. right now. That, that sort of thing, I think it's going to be a few years before it dials in its own hardcore, its own grind, its own, you know, like yeah. th- things that have their own um, uh, ethos. Uh, and my, one of those might appeal to me. Right now it's too much of a fucking product mess, but um, okay. but yeah, long way of telling you something. <laughs> Like, again with that with the uh, that you said about the age do you reckon with stuff like 856 and more I don't know almost more documentation in hardcore there's a shifting of the age demographic so uh, I can't really say I, I uh, <clears throat> when I went to shows as a kid there was kids I don't see that at a ton of hardcore shows mm. anymore uh, some cities are better than others at it but for the most part it's not it's not a lot of 16 year olds, it's a lot of 24 year olds. Yeah. And I'm not mad at a 24 year old, having a good fucking time. Yeah. But, but, but uh, and certainly the chance that I'm gonna relate to a 24 year old is better than me relating to a 16 year old. So I'm, I'm grateful that a 24 year old is there. You know what I mean? I'm grateful that a 30 year old is there. But um, I, uh, uh, the demographic I think is only gonna shift up unless something changes and again that's cool for me because I'm just aging you know what I mean I'm not getting any younger but uh, I think it would also be cool if there was a demographic shift back to young but it's hard to keep those people in the same room there's very few very few things in this world that unite 16 year olds and 40 year olds and Frankly speaking, aside from maybe food and shit like that, (laughs) maybe that's how it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Maybe that those two people are not supposed to be enjoying exactly the same things. I couldn't. I couldn't say, but um, I there's that argument certainly. And kind of coming back around to where we are, say obviously on tour with with Drug Church. Obviously, album came out sort of last year, and. Previously, obviously, self-defense, I think, and I mean this in the nicest terms, was very niche in terms of what... Still very niche. Yeah. But when you kind of started Drug Church, a lot of people were kind of like, oh, this is different from, obviously, what people were expecting from you, personally. Obviously, the other guys, Mm. maybe not so much. Mm. But was there kind of, and is there still, like, a crossover from self-defense fans that came across initially and have stuck with it because I think now, especially after Cheer, there's mm. two very different lanes for both those bands. So that's a good question. I've been trying to keep inventory of it <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, on this tour. 
Corey, would you do me a favor? Would you close? I know it's annoying because people are gonna be knocking. Would you close that door though? Close this door. Close that door for me. There's there's, there's no, no door. door. Downstairs there's no door. Oh, downstairs. Yeah. Closed, but... Oh, it's closed. Right. Um, Very thin walls. No wonder everything's so fucking cold. Right? <laughs> um, Keeping inventory. Oh, I've been trying to take inventory of that. Uh, Based on who approaches me, you know, a lot of people tell me that because the last self-defense record uh, it came out the same year as the last course, yeah. drug church record, and a lot of people are kind enough to, to come up and tell me that those were their two favorite records mm -hmm. of the year. So, presumably, th there's plenty crossover, but um, but yeah, uh, but I also do see young people that I'm sure have no interest in self-defense at the shows now, and Cheer definitely brought in. Uh, a new group of people. So, uh, I don't know. I've been, I, I've been, I've been, been trying to pay attention to that uh, because it is, it is interesting to me. Um, certainly, I think more self defense fans probably enjoy drug church than mm. drug church fans enjoy self defense. Right. Would be my guess. Uh, self defense can be pretty. Uh, not challenging. It can just be difficult to mm. appro to approach. You yeah. Know I mean? Where do you start? I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. But I no. I, I've. If anybody has an answer, they can write us. <laughs> I, I I couldn't say. I, I've been trying to keep track of it on these tours. Uh, mm. Certainly, the United States. There's like an interesting mix of people who seem to know me from all three things that I do. You know. Yeah. Um, and like. I don't know if these guys realize it or not, but there's people that yell something for the podcast most nights. You, you know, well, so, spell it out. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Pretty so, just like it. So, so um, <coughs> th there's definitely some crossover. Yeah, yeah. To at, at least two, uh, there's a triangle of some type. You know, what I mean, I don't know, whatever. But um, it's uh, yeah, I, I couldn't say, I couldn't say with any confidence though. Yeah. And I just want to kind of backtrack a little bit, but in terms of kind of you getting into music, obviously the bands that you're doing now, as we've kind of already addressed, aren't necessarily in that hardcore world. Mm. But had you previously done hardcore bands? Had you done vocals in hardcore yeah, bands? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, uh, my first band was when I was uh, in high school, and we we didn't have a drum set, so we practiced on, on a on a, a cookie tin thing. Uh, <laughs> but but. Uh, uh, it sounded like guitarist really, really. Re I wanted to be Rob Fish from 108, right? And guitarist really wanted to be Dimebag, you know. A and I mean, that's the weird mix of itself, but but and then concurrent to uh, to to when End of a Year was was playing in Albany all the time. I was also I was asked by sort of like. How would I put it? Like kids from the middle of nowhere that, okay. that were just like, "Hey, would you like to sing in our hardcore band?" And I said, "Sure." <laughs> and I sh I showed up to their garage. I was a good like six years older than everybody, and I was just like, "What's up, guys?" And and uh, that was really fun. We did that for two years or so, and that was just a straight up hardcore band. It was it was due to, uh, you know, the drummer drummer is now a doctor, but he was uh, at the time like a hair like uh what do you call it like like hair in your eyes like serial killer looking right, okay. like grind kid you know and he, he was a super talented grind drummer but 
was kind of dumbing himself down to play hardcore. But uh, what was so funny about that was that we played all the hillbilly shows, like <laughs> all, all the shows that were really outside of Albany. And for a few years, if I was just in a, like a few years after that band, if I was just in a grocery store somewhere in the middle of nowhere, just, you know, a guy with work boots on would come up and be like, oh, I love your fucking band, dude. And I'd be like, you haven't played in like four years. What are you doing? But, um, so, so, so those were both, um, those were both, uh, died in the wool mm. hardcore acts. But, uh, the stuff that people know me from is, uh, of course, largely not. Although I would argue that self-defense starting as end of a year, end of a year, I, I would call a hardcore band. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, the, 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 I was asked to be in a hardcore band again recently and was talked out of it by, okay. by my peers who were like, you just got to give it to a young dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, just like some 19-year-old some woman, she's just gonna, she'll do a better job than you will. I'd be like, all right, fuck it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would I would do one, but it, it it's uh, it's an odd thing, isn't it? Uh, you see older, older people try to put together hardcore acts. Yeah. And even if they're quite good, which is very rare, uh, it's just how could you ever get a young person to care? Yeah, you know? yeah. Like fair or not fair. I won't use any names, but I, I, I spoke to a dude in a hardcore act that you know they they were hardcore act and then they went away and then they came they came back and by any measure they're probably better now. Mm. But they just he was honest. He said I just can't get anybody to care. like I can't. Yeah, get, nobody wants. To. Yeah, it's just you know I mean. Um, so I, I, I don't know why, I don't know why drug church worked because I certainly probably had gray hair when we started, you <laughs> yeah. know, and I, I don't know, but, uh, probably because people don't see it as a hardcore band. Yeah. Know? Um, and something kind of linked into that that I wanted to mention, cause I'm always interested how people came across it, but the whole straight edge sort of aspect of your life, myself being someone that is straight edge, I always mm-hmm. am interested in how people discovered it. So without the sounding mean, you are a little bit older than me. Mm-hmm. So how did you kind of discover what straight edge was and why did you sort of decide to go down that path? So there was two straight edge kids at my high school and they, they were cool. <laughs> and I got, al- I got along with them. I, I, I really liked them. And, uh, I wasn't like a person that, uh, was interested in in drugs or alcohol and then culturally fell in with straight edge for me when i when i became straight edge it was just a word for a thing that i already was yeah that yeah, that, yeah. that was my my operating model to be honest like that's uh um and no disrespect to anybody that see that sees or uses straight edge as like kind of like a a turn in their life like mm. a, you know if it has some positive aspect for you that's fantastic but I, I've always, I've always found it a bit to be. Uh, uh, I, for me, it's, and again, this is likely just because it's my experience, but I find it to be a, a healthier approach, if it, if it, is 
simply how just, how is. you yeah, would yeah, yeah. how you would have been behaving yeah, regardless. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now you just have a convenient name. Should anybody uh, on the subway ask you, or <laughs> you know, should should anybody at a bar ask you if you? I mean, if you really want to have that fucking conversation. But, oh but, God, but, I've but, had that so many times. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know what's interesting is I found a lot of people like. So in my professional life, I find people that have never drank or drugged at all mm. and they don't know what straight edge is or yeah, they don't, yeah. and they're always quite successful and I always think damn where did that fuck up <laughs> you, you know what I mean because because uh, it seems to have uh, you know I've reflected on it quite a bit and I, I think that um, for myself I I know this sounds totally insane I understand that people don't relate to this because they see me yelling on a stage or whatever mm. I hate being the loud guy I hate being the jerk off that like isn't in control of of his emotions or his behavior, you know. Like, uh, I'm not a guy who can ever get in his shouting match outside. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. And I that's what I think of when I think of a drunk person. I think of somebody that invades a personal space. I think of somebody that is almost like a baby in how much the the current world revolves exclusively around them and their wants and needs. And uh, I think of somebody who's fucking loud mm. and. All of those things are so hyper repellent to me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I fucking just can't do it. <laughs> you know, what I mean? um, and there's also just I used to uh, talk in my sleep, and I would wake up with just terrible anxiety that I would say something fucked up, and I don't understand how anybody wants that experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, I don't recall. Did I say something terribly cruel? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, what? Yeah. What do you mean you don't recall? It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> it's fucking scary. Might have divorced your wife in the middle of your fucking... <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about? Don't remember. So, I'm not big on don't remember. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? I'm not big on uh, that sort of loss of control. Okay, okay cool. I'm good. Carry on a little bit if, if you're happy for me to carry on. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Um, so obviously, in terms of kind of, you mentioned obviously self defense had an album out last year as well, and mm-hmm. referencing your podcast, people made the joke that it was the year of Patrick sort oh, of thing. I'll, t- I'll take it. That's <laughs> yeah, nice. But, I, I'd prefer a bigger year that has, money, <laughs> that has money and shit. But okay, all right. But was it kind of a weird sort of situation for you, for you to kind of be promoting two records? that were very different in scape, very different in sort of fan base mm. and what was kind of being picked up because, and obviously at the same time doing your own podcast as well. Yeah. Like you're a man of a very busy man. I want to get onto your comics as well in the moment, mm. but was it kind of strange having to pull yourself in millions of different directions or is that just <coughs> the norm for you? No, that's pretty, that's pretty normal. I think <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm not very good at self-promotion anyway, you know okay. what I mean, which maybe if somebody follows my social media or some shit and they think that because I talk all the time, that's the same as promotion all the time, yeah, but yeah. it's really not. I, I'm not, I'm not terribly, I don't even know how to properly promote a thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Any label I've dealt with will tell you I'm quite bad at it. I, I uh the line into tacky is so so it's a narrow path you walk yeah um and i hate to be tacky so uh 
but I, you know, I might be more successful if I was fucking tacky as fuck. It's, yeah. It seems to be a, it seems to be a thing, you know. But uh, so no, you know, shout out to the tacky people. But I, I, it's just hard for me. So, um, no, I did not find it th- that hard. Uh, I found it a touch frustrating because it kind of underlined a lot of things that like that you suspect, mm. but you don't really, you can't confirm until you have kind of a, a all, like as much as you can an apples to apples sort of release mm. uh, so drug church got a ton of press yeah and a lot of the people were people who knew self-defense quite well and the first thing they would say when they called me was oh you know hello nice to meet you blah blah I tried to get tried to get coverage on self-defense but, but they my, just kind of shunned it sort of yeah thing. but yeah. my editor my editor said you know and uh, they just kept telling me there wasn't enough of a story and I found that so fucking yeah, discouraging. I mean, like the that, story alone is the fact that you're one of the most prolific punk bands there is. But I, I also think that, inarguably, we put out our best record last year. So I would think that that would be enough. But it, it, to me, it was just I thought about bands like guys who have been around far longer than me, like the Kinsellas, you know, mm. like guys like that who. Imagine being a Kinsella and putting out an Owen record or whatever the fuck record you, uh, they're in like seven bands, whatever. <laughs> Imagine putting out what you, undeniably, fuck you, like, like it's not just you who thinks it, undeniably it is your best effort. Yeah. But because you've put out six good records, nobody gives a fuck about your brilliant seventh. Mm. You know, that that's like, to me, that's like a, a quite a quite an indictment of, of music journalism yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Is, is that you're not not you fellas sorry but, <laughs> no no no, no, but, no, 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 no that's absolutely fine but that you're just youth blood sucking weirdo fucking <laughs> half pederant fucking weirdos that like only are interested in what children want yeah and, yeah, yeah and and to me that's like uh, you know I, I guess I always knew that but uh, but but I uh I found it deeply discouraging that like, oh, because something seems new to you, even though Drug Church has been around quite yeah, of course, yeah. quite some time, um, because this is new to you, it, it's worth writing about versus like, it. to be honest, like, I, I tend to look at my music career on a long, like I don't, I've never thought this record better be the one yeah, you know yeah, yeah, it's yeah. never occurred to me it's just it, it's a it's a I see it like an actual career where there's ups and downs and sometimes people give a fuck about you sometimes they don't so I wasn't exactly heartbroken but I did it did get me really thinking about cats older than me and how, what a mm. fucking struggle it is to fucking get anybody to give a fuck about mm. your fucking fourth record yeah. you know like I think about the think about like I now understand why bands break up before the like after the third record they're like oh well you know what I mean like, yeah, like yeah. the expiration date on anybody writing about us has expired uh, we're good yeah. you know what I mean I guess we gotta fucking fuck ourselves <laughs> um, so I thought about that quite a bit um, you know and it, again it is different with self defense because we put out enough material that there's never that there's never that feeling of it's all riding on this yeah, yeah. you know which some bands really really suffer from mm. uh, and and we don't so it's a little different but I did I did recognize it for the, for, for the first time in a real way like oh music press really is just 
a bunch of like it's a bunch of fucking 35 year olds clamoring around uh, laptops to read the cool new yes yeah. yes like and and you know that's freaky <laughs> you know what I mean and just in terms of I'm kind of backtracking a little bit but how do you say somewhere previously that self-defense was very much a kind of like a process band in the terms of the way that you write and record and things like that yeah and comparatively drug church is very structured in much much more a product band yeah much more. so for for you personally where things on self-defense can get a bit weird mm-hmm. like timings a bit strange your vocals change left right and center mm-hmm. whereas drug church again is very structured mm-hmm. do you prefer one over the other or is it just the case of that you're now in self-defense mode you're now in drug church mode more like that uh this summer was it summer no late fall um went from a a long time out with drug church Mm. to you know just five or six days six days with self-defense and i found i enjoyed them both so much for exactly what they are drug church i love like when they i i love being tight and, mm. when, and when they change the set list, I'm like genuinely annoyed <laughs> because I think that we are most fun when we are machine-like yeah, and yeah. perfect. I think that it's truly fun, right? For me, I don't know if it's fun for the audience, but, <laughs> but, but, but it's fun for me uh, to get as close to that as possible. Uh, you know, my 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 radius to that may vary from <laughs> from from the other players but uh getting close to to perfect is is really fun uh whereas self defense uh the looser it gets the more edifying it is the more the closer to the i, I don't think we ever i'm never worried about us derailing mm. but certainly you can see you can find plenty sets where I'm lost. You can find plenty sets where uh, I'm. I just dig my heels in on a part and just repeat it because it's what's appealing to me, uh, and I love that too. So, so yeah, no, it, it, I don't particularly have a preference. They're both. I never really thought of myself as a musician, but in, but in those respects, I kind of have come to see myself as one because. I do really enjoy mm. both aspects of being a musician. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time because your dinner's waiting for you. But I've got to quickly ask, how was the, the run with Candy? Oh, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for them to come over here finally. It was fun. They're good. Uh, the uh, Also, Regional Justice Center was on that, who are uh, quite good as well. Um, those are the type of shows I'd like to do moving forward. Mixed bills. I guess self-defense doesn't have any fucking choice but mixed bills <laughs> yeah. because I don't know what the fuck the, the big issue our entire career is what do you put us on with uh, but yeah the, uh, they were really fun yeah. uh, first night like half the show cleared out after candy and we are like oh no this is gonna be a rough fucking five <laughs> days but then then it turned out that the, like the next next few shows there was there wasn't not that type of yeah, there yeah, wasn't yeah, really yeah. any walkout but like the first night we we're like, oh, so this what is, this is what it's like to be the older act that takes out the young hot act, <laughs> and that, which to be honest, we knew and, yeah, and yeah, didn't have course, a problem yeah. with. Like, 
I, I think that I think that I don't think a band ever needs to accept anything except for this is if there's nothing wrong with being the thing that you are I don't understand with I don't understand why you fight it yeah. you understand like so like some of these acts that are you know far older than than I am far older than self-defense uh, some of them really they kind of either lean too hard into a nostalgia thing that I think is self-sabotaging mm. and, but maybe that's pure self-acceptance I don't know uh, but the flip side is sometimes I think that they you know if, they, if you see them secretly salty ab- yeah, yeah. A- about how a younger act is doing or whatever you gotta realize that You've got to pass the torch at some point. Even if you don't look at it that way, even if, like that's probably true, yeah. But even if you don't look at it that way, look at your career like an actual, like a like, like like your life. Yeah. Like you're gonna anybody that is up right now who doesn't think that they're ever gonna be down is stupid. It's <laughs> yeah. just stupid. Like you know, it, I got friends who are now wealthy, and it's like. Yeah, but then the nephew gets cancer. Or the, you know, like, there's always... Yeah, yeah. Like, life is just a bunch of fucking ups and downs. So, like, uh, I, I think it's odd when, you know, like, a, a friend of mine was in a metal act that was really, really big um, when he was a young man. Mm. And waning popularity since then. He's now in his 30s. And, you know, like, how long can you be a big act? It's yeah, not, yeah. It's not fucking easy, right? But like, you know, if you weather that storm and you just continue to do the thing that, that appeals to you, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you can maintain a career. And maybe that's not, maybe that's not like, you know, at one point he was filling 2000 caps and, uh, you know, then was filling 500 caps. And is that discouraging? I bet. But corn played a fucking 1400 cap not that long ago and they used to fill stadiums yeah yeah so like are they is corn fucked for doing that no corn's a band <laughs> yeah. no corn's a band you know what I mean like that's what being a band is like I, I just wish that like I get discouraged for for bands and for people when they just don't get that whatever you got now is gonna go away yeah yeah you know what I mean that's it. Cool. Maybe I'll come back if you're lucky. <laughs> um, how I like to round things off is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. And obviously you're in two bands, so you get two bites of the cherry. So what is your favourite song that you like to play live and why? So if we have one from Self Defence and one from Drug Church. Oh. Um, <coughs> so Self Defence has... Uh, one particularly aggressive song that is just basically a, just a triplet that just never stops yeah. and, and uh, it, but it's a heavy one for us uh, and it's called It's Not Good for the Man to Be Alone and live it is just so fun to play because it is uh, it is aggressive it is loud it is heavy uh, but there's no chorus. There's no effort to please. You, you know, it, it, it's uh, just like a just a rhythmic jerk off. You know <laughs> what I mean? And, and, and is uh, and I find that fun. I find that very fun. And then 
so that's probably tied with maybe one of the ones that just lets me moan forever. Yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I sometimes think of how different my life would be if I was like Mike Patton level uh, skilled because I love to do different vocal stuff. I just only can do two, <laughs> you know? And drug change? Um, so uh, it's not there yet. There's a song called Foam Pit on the LP, the uh, cheer, that I think is so fun as a song. I just haven't, I haven't gotten it perfect yet. Right. Okay. But, but I'm, when I do, I think that'll probably be a favorite. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Perfect. It's probably right. Pat, thank you very much for your time. Really thank you for it. your time. So there we have it, folks. A massive thank you again to Patrick for his time. Uh, I could honestly have sat and chatted to him for hours, but he had a show to play, so it was not to be here, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, what a, what a guy, and thank you again for for him being our guest on episode 100. Um, as always, if you want to keep up to date with all of Patrick's endeavours, you can do so on the normal social media platforms, which will be linked in the description of this podcast. Um that is it 100 episodes done let's push forward to the next 100 um as always if you lot have any feedback any questions any suggestions drop us a line on uh facebook twitter instagram or email um all of which will be in the description of, of this episode as well uh but for now thank you everyone for stopping by the justin insight podcast and i will see you soon